Welcome to day 119 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are 1 Chronicles chapters 10 through 12 and Psalm 50. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. A few years ago, I was guest preaching somewhere and had just preached a sermon from 2 Samuel on the sin of David and Bathsheba, a sermon that was obviously very critical of David's sinful character and by extension of our sinful character. A woman came up to me afterward and said, Pastor, you know, one of the beautiful things about Chronicles is that it tells God's view of David's life. It completely leaves out the story of David and Bathsheba. It tells David's story as though God has cast David's sin as far as the east is from the west. His sin is now forgotten. I decided in the moment not to argue with this very well-intentioned person, but I wondered, does God not still read First and Second Samuel or listen when those texts are read? The absence of certain stories in Chronicles that we as readers already know from Samuel and Kings probably doesn't tell us what God remembers, but it does reveal something important about how the telling of history functions. History is always told from a particular perspective. There's no way to tell a completely neutral or value-free version of history in the simple and necessary act of choosing what stories to tell a lens of interpretation is already being applied. So as we read Chronicles, one of the questions we have to wrestle with is why are these stories being included and why are others' stories being excluded? We aren't quite to where the David and Bathsheba narrative ought to be yet. However, if you're paying attention, you may have noticed that a big story got excluded from the chapters for today. The chronicler completely left out 1 Samuel chapter 8, the story of Israel demanding a king from Samuel and God's displeasure with that demand. The deuterohistorian of Samuel and Kings was suspicious from the very beginning about the whole kingship apparatus, but the chronicler is not. Now that the exile is over, the chronicler is convinced that the unity of Judah into the future will be dependent upon unity around a singular leader. Thus, for the chronicler, the restoration of the Davidic kingship is vital to Judah's long-term prosperity. That being said, it can't just be any old king, and that king must still be faithful to God. And that's the point chapter 10 makes in briefly retelling the story of Saul. Saul did not want to do what God wanted kings to do, and so Saul died an unceremonious death, and his lineage ended at the hand of the Philistines. The only future for Judah will be from the Lion of David. Chapter 11 begins recounting the story of David. His story is so central for the chronicler that it will take up the remainder of 1 Chronicles. The first nine verses remind people that David was God's choice from the beginning, and Jerusalem was his choice to be the central place of worship and authority for the nation. The remaining 38 verses of chapter 11 and all of chapter 12 list the various warriors and clans that rallied behind David and made his reign the most important in Israel's history. In addition to reminding us that David was innocent of any evil against Saul, it was God alone who brought David into power. These verses are meant to remind the post-exilic people of some very important things. First, if Judah is going to succeed in the future, it's going to take the unity of all the people no matter where they are from or what tribe they think of as their heritage. God's people are at their best when they are acting in the unity of the Spirit. 
Second, what made David's reign great was also the courage and devotion that those around him demonstrated. The chronicler recounts various acts of valor to remind the people that such commitment is still needed if the rebuilding of Second Temple Judah and Jerusalem is going to flourish. The psalm for today, Psalm 50, has a very post-exilic prophetic sense to it. God is returning to dwell among his people, but what he wants from the people is not sacrifice, but obedience. Do I eat bull's meat? Do I drink goat's blood? God asks in verse 13. Offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Fulfill the promises you made to the Most High. Cry out to me whenever you are in trouble, and I will deliver you, and then you will honor me. It may seem problematic as we go through Chronicles that the narrator retells mostly just the positive aspects of David's kingship. But maybe both perspectives are necessary. There's a time to be critical and honest about our shared history so that we can confess our sins and not repeat all our ancestors' mistakes. But there also may be a time to highlight and celebrate the good stuff and what's possible when we find unity of mission and purpose and then find the courage and commitment to pursue what God has called us to be together. So read these texts carefully for today, noticing not only what is there, but also what the chronicler has chosen to leave out. Journal your thoughts, questions, and prayers. And remember that God wants obedience far more than our sacrifice. Our text for tomorrow, our first chronicles, chapters 13 through 15. I'll talk to you tomorrow.